Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Gabe. Hi, I'm Kelly. And we're talking to you remotely a couple days after Election Day. Undisclosed locations. Undisclosed locations. Um, well, uh, this was uh, the big, uh, the big midterm that we've been working towards. Um, should we should we start with the good news <laughs> that we've got another six years of Sherrod Brown? Uh, yes, um, that is good news. And um, as as regular listeners know, um, you know, following the um, confirmation battles over um, Supreme Court nominee and now Justice Brett Kavanaugh, um, a lot of anti-choice organizations really worked hard um, against Sherrod um, to try to get his opponent, uh, Jim Renacci, elected. Um, but you know, Sherrod's a tough, uh, tough brand to beat in Ohio because he has, um, he's had a long career of, I think, providing really excellent and authentic leadership and, um, stewardship for the state of Ohio. Um, a lot of people ask from outside of Ohio, they're like, what, what is it about Sherrod that people, um, people like so much? And I was like, because we all know him. Right. I mean, I mean, if you're any kind of an operative in um, politics in Ohio, you must have a handwritten note from Sherrod <laughs> where he has acknowledged something you have done. Um, and if you if you know his his Senate team, you know, his staff at all, um, if anything major um, happens and you need the intervention of uh, a government official, the first person you think of is Sherrod because you know uh, he and his team just provide the most incredible um, constituent services um, that I've seen in the business. And, uh, and and I think also the thing that people, that voters in Ohio love about Sherrod is even if you don't agree with him, you know where he stands. Right. Um, you know, he doesn't try to have it both ways. Um, you always know exactly where he stands on things, whether it's, um, uh, abortion rights or trade or, or anything else. And, you know, it was a pretty dirty campaign against him this time. And, uh, but, you know, he won handily. And I think it's because he's, he's put in the work and built the relationships with voters across Ohio that, you know, regardless of party, people, people really like, admire and respect shared and want him to continue to represent us in the Senate. Right. Yeah, he's he's a terrific guy. Um, I, I agree. the The campaign against him was was surprisingly dirty uh, on the part of Jim Renacci. Um, you know, <laughs> I think that speaks to Renacci's character. I think he's a little bit of a slippery guy. Well, and I think he got he got pretty desperate. He wrapped himself uh, up in the Trump flag very early on in the process. Um, but, you know, really went into this thing without a real plan. Um, you know, he, he jumped into this race late after Josh Mandel exited. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, even, even had he come at this thing, uh, with a, you know, full running start, 
I, I don't think there's enough substance there. He didn't bring any real solutions to the table uh, other than, hey, you know, if Donald Trump can, you know, if, if Donald Trump can give him a boost, then he would take that boost and that would be it. And it wasn't right. enough. So. Right. Well, I think some of why the campaign um, got a little sleazy towards the end with some of these um, outside groups is that um, they saw that Sherrod was doing so well. And um, as is uh, the case on a regular basis, you know, people look at, at Sherrod and how successful he is and, and wonder if he is someone who might at some point put his hat in the ring for president or might be courted as being part of a ticket as vice president. And, uh, and I think a little bit of the nastiness that we saw at the end was a uh, was an effort to tarnish his sterling image um, to to make that uh, a more difficult hill to climb if he chose to do so. Yeah. But it failed because Ohioans know. I mean, we we all know Sherrod and not because, you know, because he's he's really inv involved and invested in the community. And, you know, people can say what they want about your friends, but when you know them, you know, you know what's true and what's not. Right. Right. Um, so we, uh, we were proud to support, uh, Sherrod. He was endorsed by our national partner, NARAL Pro-Choice America. Um, mm -hmm. here in Ohio, we had some nice wins, uh, from state legislative candidates, uh, who we, uh, we endorsed. Um, we've got five, uh, terrific pro-choice, uh, victories in the Ohio Senate. Um, you know, some of them are people who've been in the Senate before, um, uh, you know, such as Teresa Fetter. She she used to be a state senator. Um, she was in the House for a while and heading back to the Senate again. Um, and then people like Nikki Antonio, who's a, been an amazing rock star for us in the Ohio House. So this will be her first trip to the Ohio Senate. Yeah. Well, and, and both Nikki and Teresa... Um, uh, were able to make it to the Senate um, because they, you know, and they had to do so through very difficult primary elections um, because of the gerrymandering in Ohio. Um, some some districts are more competitive in the in the primary than in the general. In fact, most. And um, we endorsed both of them in their primaries and and worked very hard through the primaries to to get them um, to be the nominee um, for their party so that they could run in the general election. And they have both been um, people who have worked with us on, on legislation, on the budget and other things. So um, it's really exciting to, to have both of their strong voices um, in the Senate um, as, as we go into um, the next legislative cycle. Yeah. Uh, over in the Ohio House, we're seeing back some uh, of our uh, our favorite champions, um, people like Kent Smith, Janine Boyd, Stephanie House, um, Mike Skindell's always been terrific, especially on the budget, Adam Miller, Kristen Boggs. Um, we're going to get back Bridget Kelly, Amelia Sykes, uh, and Michelle Lepore-Hagan. Um, you know, how do you feel Tavia about Tavia Golonsky. Tavia Golonsky, um, yeah. You know, um, you know, Tavia and Amelia are, are among my favorites because they represent Akron, um, <laughs> and um, they just do tremendous work for you know for my hometown, for my community, um, and you know I think I think we have some some 
really now becoming more seasoned um, legislators. Um, you know, some of the folks that you mentioned came in as freshmen together and uh, they're no longer the freshman class. Um, so, you know, we're going to have them. We do have a new uh, a freshman who I think is a legislator uh, to watch, um, Juanita Brent. Um, she is, uh, she replaces a anti-choice uh, predecessor um, who was also a Democrat. Um, she, I think she's going to be a strong pro-choice voice. I think she's one of the um, freshmen to watch. And I'm really excited about uh, seeing her join the legislature. Um, and, and, you know, and we did have some um, among uh, 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 NARAL endorsed candidates. We had some, we had some good pickups. There were four of our candidates that we endorsed where the, the seat was being vacated um, by an incumbent Republican. Um, we, in, we endorsed candidates, Ohio Right to Life endorsed candidates. Um, four of our candidates um, bested four of theirs. Um, we see in Summit County, um, Casey Weinstein um, beat Mike Razor. Allison Russo will be coming to the legislature over Eric Yasseroff. Um, Mary Lightbody, she's coming in after besting uh, Tim Barhurst and uh, Phil Robinson um, up in Summit, or up in Cuyahoga County is uh, coming in after beating Jim Trakis, which that's a that's a big victory. Jim Trakis has been around Ohio politics for a long time. Um, that was not a novice candidate that that Phil had to had to best to come to the Ohio House. But even with that, um, those victories that we had in both legislatures, I mean, we're still looking at very, um, very large majorities of anti-choice legislators in both chambers. And so um, although we're, there have been some pickups and we've had some victories, it's still going to be very tough territory um, for, for the policies that, that we support. Right. Yeah, um, you know, and we I think we did some terrific work to support these, especially some of the newcomers. Um, mm -hmm. I I had my my own kid. Uh, my son was out knocking on doors with me uh, in Erica Crowley's district. She's a, a brand new legislator. Another um, freshman to watch. Yes. Yeah, you know, and we uh, we got to to talk to her on election eve and uh, I let her know how the conversations were on the doors. Um, and, you know, she was just thrilled that people are out there, that they were excited about the election. Um, Hannah, up in, in your neck of the woods, uh, traveled uh, over to Toledo, um, where we're going to gain Paula Hicks Hudson uh, into yes. the House. The former mayor of Toledo uh, is now state legislator Paula Hicks Hudson. Yeah, and I think that's a, a relationship that... Um, we're really excited to see, you know, come to come to Columbus. Um, as our regular listeners know, Toledo has really been lines of the battle over um, reproductive freedom in Ohio, whether or not uh, communities are going to continue to have access to abortion care. And um, so, you know, uh, uh, former uh, Mayor Hicks Hudson um, is is quite well acquainted with with our work um, and and with what um, is at stake in a community that is in danger of losing their only abortion provider. So um, she's gonna um, bring an interesting perspective along with her colleague, Teresa Fetter, who's been a veteran, um, both literally of the military and of um, 
the battles in the state house um, alongside us for years. So it's going to be um, really strong representation from Toledo. Right. Um, so do you want to say a word about the state Supreme Court? The Democrats were thrilled to pick up uh, two seats on the court. This is the first time, I think David Pepper said, in, in 20 years where we've had uh, a new Democrat elected. Um, I believe that. I haven't confirmed that, but I believe that. Um, you know, Republican Party has had a, um, al almost a lock on the state Supreme Court for a long time. Um, uh, Anti-choice Democrat um, Bill O'Neill, um, as you know, had been the only Democrat on the court until he resigned for his unsuccessful um, bid to be the Democratic nominee for governor. Uh, so uh, he, when he stepped down, uh, Governor Kasich appointed uh, Youngstown area judge Mary D. Gennaro. So she ran as the um, unelected incumbent and was bested by um, Cuyahoga County appellate judge Melody Stewart, um, which was very exciting because she's also the uh, first black woman to be elected to the state uh, Supreme Court. Um, it seems absurd to me in 2018 to be saying someone is the first um, black woman to be elected to something. It seems like this should have been happening for a lot longer than it has been. But um, it's a major it's a major milestone for the state. And I think a very important one and one that a lot of people were encouraged to see. Um, the other seat was um, to replace uh, term term limited uh, uh, Terrence um, O'Donnell. Uh, that race was between um, Craig Baldwin, the Republican, and Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Judge Michael Donnelly. And uh, Donnelly won uh, that race uh, quite handily. And although we didn't endorse in either of those races, sometimes making endorsements in judicial races is difficult because um, they uh, some candidates are don't want to um, Pull out a questionnaire saying, you know, in kind of in a way of saying how they might rule on something should it come before them. Um, we have every reason to believe that um, both uh, Justice uh, um, elect Stewart and Donnelly will be much more friendly to cases that come their way um, regarding abortion access and other issues. And um, for those who remember um, the Toledo case, um, you know, we did also um, have. Republican and Supreme Court uh, just or Chief Supreme Court Justice uh, Maureen O'Connor, um, formerly of Summit County, um, who had sided with us in a case. So, on a on a court of uh, seven, you know there are potentially three people um, who would be open to to a case regarding reproductive health care, um, and perhaps to to sway one more person. Um, to upholding um, something that a lower court may have ruled or, or ruling in favor of access to reproductive health care. So that's potentially, very potentially, um, an important development as we look at things um, ending up in the courts so frequently in Ohio. Right. Okay. We've, we've sugarcoated all we can sugarcoat here. Danced around it long enough. Yeah. Um, so the, the big story in Ohio um, was that Mike DeWine was successful in his bid defeating Rich Cordray for governor. Yeah. What's that mean yeah, for us? Well, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And I think, you know, 
and let's be honest, you know, all of our statewide um, endorsed candidates um, right. failed in their bids. Um, Kathleen Clyde for Secretary of State, um, Steve Dettelbach for Attorney General, and um, uh, Rob Richardson for State Treasurer. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, a loss across the board is, is very difficult, uh, particularly when so many people work so hard. Um, you know, our, I think our program, uh, we talked to close to, what was it, close to half a million voters in the state of Ohio, yes. whether it was knocking on doors or um, sending texts. Um, that's the new thing. Um, we had phone banks. We had text banks. We had canvases. Um, we attended rallies and we did social media um, and, you know, really tried to impress upon um, voters the importance of what's at stake with this election and um, and what uh, a state with Mike DeWine as governor might mean for, for abortion access. And it's, you know, it's not good. Um, Mike DeWine is at the end of his career. And I think that makes him dangerous from our perspective because he has spent his 42-year career in elected office, much of that time interfering with the reproductive health care decisions of Ohioans and people in other states as well. Um, he was instrumental in passing uh, the first um, federal ban on abortion, uh, on abortion procedure. He, um, as Ohio Attorney General, filed an amicus brief in the infamous Hobby Lobby case, you know, the one that said that your employer can decide whether or not you have access to birth control and the insurance that you earn. Um, he even involved himself most recently in uh, a case out of Texas with a, an unaccompanied minor who had met all of the state's um, legal uh, barriers to abortion. And uh, he was siding with the Trump administration to try to um, make it so that this, this person couldn't, couldn't leave federal custody for a medical procedure. Um, that she needed. So, you know, when it comes to abortion access, you, you don't have to hear what Mike DeWine says you has done to know, you know, it was access to all uh, to comprehensive sex education and obviously to abortion care every chance he gets. And I think based on some of his um, comments, um, we uh, think that he would like to sign the six-week ban on abortion when he becomes governor. And so we expect to be fighting um, that, that very dangerous legislation um, early next year when uh, this new legislature and governor take office. Right. Uh, so it, it really does come down to... Uh, what exactly the legislature decides to send to him. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really makes it crystal clear how important it is for people to have conversations with their uh, new state legislators. Um, how would you advise people to, you know, what do you, what do you want someone to say if they went into the legislator on the street in their district? Well, I, th I think to talk about how important reproductive freedom is to to everything else in a person's life, um, your ability to control 
uh, when and with whom and how frequently um, you expand your family and have children um, is so important to your ability to attain your educational goals, your career goals, um, your hopes and dreams for your family, um, your economic future. People who uh, roughly one in three people in America, um, they um, for a lot of those reasons, um, abortion isn't something that's separate from the rest of your life. It's it's something that is is part of helping you um, that you want for yourself and your family. Um, in Ohio, we know um, consistently sixty percent of the people who access care um, are single parents. They're making the best decision they can to um, be able to take care of, of the family that they have now, the children that they have now. So um, I think one of the first things I always say is that, you know, this this impacts so many other things in your life. Um, I think the the other thing is, is that um, no one should be making that decision but the person um, who is carrying the pregnancy. No one else with the outcome of that, um, the way that that person does. And no one else really has walked in her shoes, uh, knows all of the factors at play in her life. And it's uh, therefore, I think, really inappropriate for for the government, however well-meaning they might be, uh, try to make those decisions for everyone else. Um, it's, it's, it's a gross overstep of government authority, I believe. Um, and, I think, and I think people should not be afraid to say the word abortion. I think, you know, if we're, if we're going to, um, you know, win policy debates about abortion, we have to talk about it very specifically, not euphemistically. Um, I think that's also very important. Um, we, we really need to um, stop accepting the stigma that our opponents have really tried to cloak abortion in as a means of, therefore, then making it acceptable to strip Ohioans of that that right to access that really basic of health care, abortion care. Um, you know, so I think I think those are a couple of things. And I think to not be afraid to talk to your legislators about that and about what you think about that and about what you expect of them. I mean, they're supposed to be your representatives. And although many of them are not representative of their communities because of gerrymandering, <laughs> They're still supposed to represent everyone in their district, and and that that means people who support abortion access too. Right. Yeah, I you know I I see these as being really critical conversations that people need to have very soon, um, because the the state legislature is going to be back. Um, you know, it'll be it'll be here in lame duck. Do you think we'll see anything in lame duck? Uh, do you think they'll send you know, anything to Kasich before Kasich is out the door? That's possible. I mean, there there are bills that are pending, medically unnecessary regulations and uh, bans that are that are pending in the legislature. Aside from the six week ban and the criminalization ban that are currently pending, um, so it's possible that uh, when the lame duck legislature returns next week, that um, you know, they could try to pass something before they adjourn in December. Um, we will certainly be provide, be monitoring that very closely and providing 
engaging our listeners and our members with in, uh, about about what the developments are at the state house and how to take action, how to you know send an email or uh, tweet at or you know otherwise you know come to the state house and contact your state legislator about whatever whatever policies they might be looking to move. Uh, but you know, I, and I, you know, and I think that then obviously the new legislature comes in January. But regardless of what we're talking about, I, I think it's I think it's easy to look at the numbers and 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 to, um, to be worried. Um, you know that I mean we're looking at parties of anti-choice legislators in both houses. We're we're looking at John Kasich, who has you know enacted 20 restrictions. Who is still in office, um, and then we're looking at Mike Dewine coming in in January. But I really would want to remind our listeners that this is this has never been about any single politician or about any single election. This is really about a lifetime commitment to defending um, access to the healthcare that we need, so that we can build the lives we deserve. And you know, to to really always approach whatever work is before us or whatever challenge is before us, with that with that in mind. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of approaching it. So we'll uh, we'll put more information in the show notes about how people can get involved. Um, you know, our our, our field organizers, uh, Hannah in Northern Ohio and, and Kelly down here, are out and about constantly. Um, helping people, uh, you know, become uh, directly active uh, in the state legislature. Uh, Jamie is going to be uh, in the state house uh, at a moment's notice. The first time they schedule anything that even smells like a committee hearing uh, might be shaping <laughs> up. Um, so uh, people should definitely check that out. Um uh, and, and always keep an eye on our Twitter feed and our Facebook page for more information on that. Yeah, and I would say that if you haven't signed up for our email alerts yet, what are <laughs> you for? <laughs> Go to prochoiceohio.org. Um, oftentimes, Abe said, you know, we, we'll come out on uh, this, but a lot of the, the more in-depth analysis the, the information um, about um, across the state, the events that are coming up, you know, we, we really get that out to you by email um, very often. And I really encourage you to sign up for that if you haven't already. Right. Link, uh, link to that is in the show notes. Um, uh, okay. So we've only got a couple minutes left. Uh, I wanted to ask your, uh, your, um, ask you about an event that you had up there in Cleveland. Um, Ohio RCRC completed a, a clinic blessing outside preterm. Um, you want to give me like two minutes on, on how that went and what your thoughts are on uh, Ohio RCRC? Well, I love Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice and, uh, and their, their leader, Elena Ramsey. Um, it, we, when I first came here, um, we had an office in a church in Columbus, and um, about a year into the job, I moved our Cleveland office into preterm, and uh, an abortion, uh, independent abortion provider, and people thought that was nuts, <laughs> and I said, well, 
you know, people, people do a lot of soul searching and a lot of praying in both of those places. Um, you know, I've worked in the preterm building for the last 15 years and walked through that waiting room and read the journals of the people who passed through there. And, um, you know, the spiritual aspect of a person's life is, is very much present when they make a decision about um, a pregnancy and when they choose to have an abortion. And um, oftentimes the religious angle has been used to um, try to dissuade people from having an abortion or make them feel bad about it. Um, so many people, even who don't go to church, have that tape in their head that, you know, if they have an abortion, that they're, that they're a bad person, that they're going to go to hell or, or something like that. And um, that's why I think this clinic blessing um, is so important because it's affirming to the people who have made decisions to uh, end a pregnancy that they are loved by the creator that they believe in and that they are loved by their community as well. And, and also to the, the brave and loving and um, compassionate people who work at preterm, from the doctors to the receptionists to the security guard to, to the, the uh, administrators. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to work 15 years and, and they are among the best people I've ever met. And if anyone um, deserves to be um, thanked to be blessed um, to to be have their community support. Um, it is absolutely the the team at preterm, and it was incredible to see um, faith leaders, to see some of the alumni, our joint patients to advocates program that we share with the RCRC and preterm um, at that event, um, and to see to see the community coming together in support of um, an organization and its patients who are so often um, the, uh, the target of harassment. Um, it, was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I really commend the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice under Elena's leadership for doing the second um, at preterm. It was, it was a beautiful event. And I think it really touched everyone who was yes. there. Yep, I think it's terrific. So, okay, <laughs> that always helps. And they were tasty. So, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I love an hors d'oeuvre, what can I say? Was, and, and, and Alyssa, one of our former patients to advocates, I know is available anywhere. She's a singer. Um, uh, it was incredible. Just, nice. you know, brought tears to your eyes. Beautiful. Well, that sounds like a nice high note to uh, end uh, this podcast on. Um, do we do we put enough positive on on a tough week? Yes. I hope so. Uh, so check the show notes for information on upcoming events. Uh, we're still out there. Uh, we need you to get involved, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you. Bye. Never surrender. <laughs>